The Writer's Room, a 7th Sea podcast, is endorsed by Chaosium, Inc. For more information, visit www.chaosiuminc forward slash 7th Sea. All right, I'm back. Oof. I hope you all are comfy and cozy. Again, I don't have any announcements just yet, but I did forget to thank our sponsors. Our sponsors being Ten Quills Dice and The Crafty Gamer. There are links in our bio where you can go and support the writer's room through them by buying yourself a fancy set of dice or indulging in one of the many adventure scents. All right. Officer Keith, everybody settled? Fantastic. Officer Nightingale, any dairy? Good. Officer Covington, are all the plushies secure? Wonderful. Officer V, the book, if you please. Thank you. Now, let's get right to it. <clears throat> Article 32, I Promise, Part 2. The camera dissolves from black as someone walks past it. The someone is Waylon Greywall. However, they are not in their quarters. They are in a different set of quarters entirely. Most of the adornments on the wall that marked it as an ATC vessel or anything regarding ATC propaganda was removed and shoved in a corner. Anything in the colors of ATC, which is blue and silver, also has been torn down and put away. And where do we find Wayland? Wayland is sitting at the desk and has written out the deal that she made with the Lady of Air and Darkness and is just furiously like a thesaurus coming up with synonyms and antonyms to each of the different words trying to figure out even the most minor of loopholes or ways that it can be interpreted and is coming up with nothing so far. A knock comes on the door. Ah, uh, come in. It's Charles. Ch- Captain, what can I do you for? Figured I'd let you know that negotiations are done. Ah, yeah, even rude son. How'd that go? Boy's stubborn as a brick, but I got through to him, finally. Oh? I gave him the option to swim. He said he'd take a rowboat instead. So him and his ilk are gonna keep quiet in the brig until we stop. Fair enough, I suppose. And then Charles falls silent. His back leaned up against the door, arms folded over his chest, his jaw tight. And the silence is palpable. They just both stay there in silence for a little while. It's very strange. What is? Being back on this ship. What a bit of serendipity. I wanted to talk to you about that. I figured you might. But before you open your damn mouth, if you're gonna lie to me, you might as well keep it shut. Charles... And Wayland looks down at what he's been writing in his notebook. The other pages riddled with schematics of guns and modifications, sketches of what they saw on Lunara, but a huge page just dedicated to this. All I've ever wanted was to do right by the people that I cared about, that I do care about, and who cared about me. And it seems that at every turn... All I can continue to do is hurt the people I love. Over 
and over without fail. And it makes me so viscerally angry at the world sometimes. That no matter how hard I try, I always seem to misstep. No matter how carefully I plan out my next approach, something always slips through the cracks. You know, I could see a ship's name carved in the tiniest letters from a hundred miles away. And yet sometimes I can't even see what's in front of my fucking nose. Every single moment is an opportunity for a new blunder. But I have to keep going. I can't stop. Because if I do, it means that those mistakes define who I am and not what I do about them. If for a single moment I falter, then there's no chance, not one chance, to do right by the people I've wronged. No lies, Charles. No more. What do you want to know? Have you ever seen something so viscerally terrifying that you catch your breath? Mm-hmm. You can practically see the heat rising from Charles. Like the hot sun after rain vaporizing any water. Charles's jaw is clenched so tightly that it's clicking. His hands are balled so much that you can, even with your eagle eyes, see every joint, every bone, the veins, everything. He is so mad that at any moment, Wayland, you feel like this entire quarters is gonna spontaneously combust. And he's not looking at you. He's looking down at the ground. And you swear you can see a fucking hole burnt into the planks. And he doesn't say a goddamn word. There's just anger. No, I lied. Not anger. Rage. And as you have been talking, it's slowly been getting worse. To the point where it is undeniable now. He is powder in the pan waiting for a spark. And Waylon sees all of this, and instead of being intimidated, accepts it, that this is the truth of the matter. This is, you know, Charles has good reason to feel the way he does. For what it's worth, I'm sorry for commanding you yesterday. It wasn't my place. But the self-sacrificial asshole in me Figured that if anybody was going to get in, I guess, Jonah's way, well, it wasn't going to be you. Between Charles's teeth and his clicking jaw, you hear him utter one question. How long have you known? I didn't know the whole story until yesterday, but maybe a month Charles leans off the wall and walks towards you with a casual menace. And before you can blink, he has you by the throat, still in your chair, slamming you to the floor. You left, forgive me, I thought I heard you say a fucking month. Thirty days, and you didn't think. 
Not a single one of us should have known that the fucking devil himself was on our ship. I know you really don't want to believe me right now, but up until yesterday, Jesse's been in control. Charles's fist reacts. It makes contact with the plank next to your face and snaps like brittle sticks. He pulls back his fist slowly, and you can see the splinters jutting out of it, and he grins. So yesterday was the first time he lost control, I? As far as I've seen, as far as I know. So in the 30 days that you knew about this, he hadn't once lost it? I don't know how that all works. I didn't know about any of this until I- You should have known better! His arm just moves, and his fist smashes through the planks again, and pulls out slowly, blood dripping from open wounds. There ain't no difference between the devil and an unseely she. Charles, you're going to continue to break your hand. Charles doesn't blink, and I'd shatter every bone in my body to dust to make sure Jesse never laid a fucking finger on my sister again. Jesse didn't know. He doesn't know the extent. You should have known, and you should have told me sooner so that I could get Charlotte away. The red in Charles's eyes recedes. His raised fist starts to shake. The adrenaline from the anger is slowly leaking from him at the mention of Charlotte. She's the only true, good, and honest thing I have in this world. Charles, she's not the only thing you have. You don't get it. Then help me understand. Talk about lies, you talk about half-truths. Then tell me. Our parents died because of her. She was born and they were dead. How? They made a promise with something they shouldn't have. An unseely, I take it? The worst of the worst. Okay. Charles lets go of the grip on your neck and begins to lean himself backwards as he's talking. I told you I made deals I shouldn't have and deals I should. And I finally found the she that they made a promise to. Charles is biting his bottom lip, and he's struggling to continue to tell the story to you, as if he's trying to protect you from it. Wayland gets up very slowly and puts his hand on Charles's broken hand and slowly uncurls the fist and turns it over and puts his hand in Charles's. <sighs> Talk to me. I unmade it. And then there's that bastard that hurt her. I killed him. And now the devil. Wayland is keeping his eyes trained so that any time that Charles looks up, their eyes meet. And he is holding steadfast. And he is not bothered by anything that Charles says. Wayland, I can't fight the devil. I won't win. So I have to run. And where would you run to? Because I've done my fair share of running, Charles. Wayland, that's just the point. There ain't nowhere to run to now. I know you feel that duty to protect her, Charles. When you back a wolf into a corner, there's only two options. It's either lie down and die, or fight until you're lost. And you have fought for her so strongly. She's living a good life because of it. But it is a life tainted by a deep worry for you, for the pain that you constantly put yourself in, 
I used to come home worse than this. Ribs broken, skull cracked, and whenever she asked, I'd always say, It's nothing you need worry about, little Lottie. I just fell. Your brother's clumsy. How many times do you think she believed you before she figured it out? I think maybe the once, the first time, and every time after that, she just knew. She's smarter than me, Wayland. She figured it out. She found the pits. She found the ring I was fighting in. And she threw herself in the middle of it. Charles loses the ability to speak. He closes his eyes tight and a few tears escape. He takes a few deep breaths before he can continue. And I told myself that I'd never let her get hurt again. That I'd take all the pain this world had to offer if it spared her. You and I are so similar. And yet you are a far better person than I could ever be. <laughs> told you not to fucking lie to me. And I told you I wouldn't. I'm not a good man, Wayland. Good men do bad things, Charlie. And it's up to us to truly do right by our people. I'm just one reason away from having nothing left to lose. Charles, make no mistake. What I said during the meeting was true. We are family. I really want to believe you. And look at me. Charles does. He lifts up his head. And your eagle eyes can still see the rage hidden behind the pain. You know, as well as I, sometimes family fucks up. And sometimes we fuck up hard. But when Charlotte found you in the pits, when she learned what you had been doing, what you had been putting yourself through, did she give up on you? She never would. And none of us would either. Fact of the matter is, Charles, she's not the only thing you've got anymore, and you're not the only thing that she has either. You have any fucking idea what this entire crew would do for that kid? I imagine there'd be hell to pay. If anything were to happen to her, we would go to war, and you know that to be true as well as I do. Charles snorts a laugh through his nose, but it doesn't break on his face. You have so much hatred and anger in you, and that's something that I too have carried for a long time. And all I have seen it do is hurt the people that I love and who care about me. And it's hurting the people that care about you too. And he lightly squeezes Charles's hand. The pain flashes in his eyes, and he does growl and bite his tongue on a swear. You don't have to tell me right now, but at some point I do want to know what happened. Because you don't have to carry that all on your own. Charles leans his head forward, puts his forehead on your shoulder, and you feel him shudder. We'll talk when all this is over. Waylon leans into him. You feel backed into a corner, but you got folks on the outside. I promise you that, Charles. You know better than to say those words. Hey, that I do. Lucky for us, I'm only human. And he leans back and looks at you. His eyes are bloodshot and red, and there's streaks down his cheeks. Wayland's eyes have welled up a little bit as well. And he winces and looks down at his mangled hand. Klaus is going to be right pissed. <laughs> I think he might be impressed since I punched right through your little ship here. <laughs> Would you 
you make this thing out of? Straw? Well, it's not my fault that you're apparently made of concrete. They didn't call me Iron Fist Radford for nothing. Oh, now this ship's seen better days, to be sure. But perhaps we can get her fixed up a bit when we bring her back to Aragosta. He slaps you on the back with his good hand. That's a job for Hawthorne. I'm only good at breaking shit. There's something to be said about breaking things, Charles. But I found that making far more satisfying. You're too right about that. I think the Malloys know a thing or two about patching wounds, at least for the interim. Should go uh, talk to them. So it's not all set weird when it finally gets to close, alright? Too right. Get some rest. You too, brother. We got a busy day tomorrow. Good night, Master Greywall. Good night, Captain. Nope. Still fucking hate that. Yep, still weird. <laughs> That's where we transition away. Hello, friends. On this special episode announcement, I wanted to bring to your attention a Kickstarter project. Our good friends over at Pinebox Entertainment have finally released the 7C City of Five Sales card game. It's out now on Kickstarter. They are fully funded. And while I got to sit down at Chaosium Con and actually playtest the game along with Patrick and Evan, Patrick has a few things to say. Take it away for us. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. The 7th Sea City of Five Sails expandable card game is an evolving tabletop card game set in the 7th Sea world of swashbuckling intrigue, exploration, and adventure, things that we here are all very familiar with. Players control one of five factions as they fight for influence, control, and explore the independent and unruly city of Five Sails. The folks over at Pinebox have put in a great deal of work to make this the most beautiful, interactive, and rewarding experience that it possibly can be. Through rigorous playtesting and working alongside John Wick himself, no, not, not that, that John Wick. Wick, you know the one. The folks over at Pinebox have provided a truly extensive card game to play in our favorite pirate world. As of this posting, the Kickstarter has 15 days to go and is thankfully fully funded. Sure, but tell them about the stretch goals. A full set of tarot cards for each of the city locations, a compass initiative coin to help you track when you take your turn, all the way to an option to design your own card within the game. The link to the Kickstarter is below. Go check it out. It is sure to be a fantastic time. Go check out the link. You know what to do. Go pledge. Whether it's a dollar or up to the create your own card tier, you know I'm going to do it. You might see some familiar faces in there. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to the folks over at Pinebox Entertainment for being wonderful folks every single time that we have met you. And we hope the wind is ever in your sails. May your compass always point north. Unless you're trying to go south. In which case... I hope your compass spins in the direction you want it to go. I hope your compass is always finely tuned to magnetic north so you never get lost. That, yep. If it always points north, you're going to get lost real fast. <laughs> Maybe not that. Anyway, let's get back to this episode. We skip ahead to just outside of the cove in which Sangdaris is hiding. Your scouts have confirmed that the Red Sails and the Crimson Roger that the Sangdaris flies has 
indeed been seen in the dark of the cove. And as you plan your next moves, Wayland, you as a bearer of the mantle of Paga feel when the world shifts, when a mighty power steps forth. And Jesse, since you have recently mended a selkie coat and had that deep connection with the she side, you also feel it. A cold hand dragged up your spine from tail to base of neck. I think Wayland's up in the crow's nest of the nightingale and looks down, yeah. Two black bars come up from beneath and above the camera's lens. On the nightingale, everything stops moving. The sails, the ropes, the waves, everything. And down below, Wayland, you can see Clarice on the main deck. And she turns on her heel as a being steps from beneath the decks. As they are stepping, you can hear the spider-like creeping of ice forming on the wood. Jesse, you feel the wind change drastically from a Atabayan fall breeze to something reminiscent of while you were in Jonah's body in the deep, deep north. There is an interaction that happens between this being and Clarice, and every time this being speaks, it is like nails on a chalkboard, coupled with the screams of diamonds against mirrors. Waylon tries to make his way down and gets the decks, keeps walking forward, and then is stopped by the pain over and over again. Before you can reach the being and Clarice. Clarice simply states, Smote it be. And they touch Clarice's face. And upon the touch, ice forms and envelops and spreads rapidly, completely encasing them. That ice travels through the ship. Ship freezes. That ice travels through the ocean. The ocean freezes. And we follow that rapid, aggressive frost down the cove, away from the nightingale. It freezes the rose in place. It freezes the Song de Reese in its harbor. That ice creeps up onto the land, instantly freezing anything it touches. And the second that it does, some things just collapse beneath its own weight. Trees crumble into shards. Any living creature within five miles of the nightingale is frozen in place. Monkeys, birds, crabs, sea life, everything. A cold snap has just struck this area. Now, none of you are frozen. None of the crew is harmed. The only person that suffers is Clarice. And they are standing as a statue as a cold wind courses through your veins. The being is gone, but the ice remains. And the two black bars recede. Jesse, you're on deck of the Rose. Wayland, you're on deck of the Nightingale. Whether you wanted to or not, you're going to engage on the Song Doris because you have no choice now. Wayland's just staring at Clarice. Now, has she been turned to ice or is she encased in ice? <laughs> yes. Fuck. Wayland raises their fists to just pound it into the deck. Charles actually grabs your arm. That's not gonna help. 
I couldn't stop this. Why couldn't I stop this? I should have been more clever. Because you can't I save everyone all the time, Wayland. Right. Come on. Charles makes one of the Malloys captain in his stead as he follows Wayland onto the rose. We cut inside the captain's quarters as we're going to have a brief interaction before I fast forward us in time. Metagame, all of you know everything that's happened. Yeah. What's the plan of attack? Because this changes things drastically. That is a great question. I mean, it's hard to imagine they don't know that we're coming. They probably know that we're here. Agnes speaks up. I can speak for myself and probably Ursa. Yes, Les. She and I can try and break the ice, at least around the rose. Sure, but it's going to take a while. I Trying to think of ways that we can... I mean, there's certainly something to be said for a head-on approach, but at the same time, vantage points. Uh, having this essentially be a mission on land. Wayland, I'm walking onto that ship and I'm taking Cosette back. Jory speaks up. I'm afraid we're out of cannon range. Even if we could maybe get a little bit closer, it's... It's no use. I can't make them shoot any farther than they can. No, but what if we got the cannons closer? With all due respect, sir, they're not leaving this ship. One or two? It's out of the question. The Rose is staying behind. What about the cannons on the Nightingale? Charles speaks up. Listen, we don't know how long this ice is even going to last. I. You suggesting we put extra weight on them? <sighs> uh, maybe not. And Mama Coco is leaning back, sat on a barrel, bouncing her leg, her left leg. She's thinking. I've made up my mind. Tell us what we're doing. We're going to walk onto the deck of the ship. And be slaughtered? Perhaps. No offense, Captain. I appreciate the bravado, but... Wayland, you don't know this woman. Quite frankly, I'm not sure I do either. But it's besides the point. Well, if it's in a cancellation, they are also sitting ducks. If anything, more so, because they're landlocked. Could we send a contingency onto the land? Take a ranged approach, provide support. And then, Jesse, as you approach, we've got your back. This isn't a situation where people can really have my back. Klaus speaks up. We are hoping that they have kept Cosette alive up until this point. If we try to surround them and force their hand, if Cosette is alive... She may very well be killed. I do not think that aggression is a sound tactic right now. What do you suggest, Klaus? Full diplomacy? Well, they are pirates, yeah? Do you not have a code that you abide? Hi, Arlai. That is my suggestion, though I am out of my depths. Well, if we're going to be walking across the ice, which one of us is going to convince Raz to wear a pair of shoes? Looks at Raz. Well, that's Ursa's job. And looks to Ursa and raises an eyebrow. <laughs> Look, I don't make the rules. I just follow them and let them happen around me. I feel like that. I would like to make mention that not all of us should go in the event that the Rose is freed from her icy prison. Yeah, I don't want everyone to go. Question for Evan. Mm -hmm. Who on the crew knows about Annabelle? Probably nobody. Nobody knows, and nobody knows. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think, Amakoko might from a while ago, but like, might be it. I don't think he likes to talk about it, especially not around Kazette. That's a very fair point. Mm. 
Hey, everybody, let me tell you about my ex-fucking-girlfriend. <laughs> I'm trying desperately to, like, rattle my brain through, all right, who should come, who should stay, who's going to be the best in this situation? Roz obviously does not want to go. That is entirely fair. I will go ahead and tip my GM hat. NPCs don't solve problems. They create them as PCs. It's your job to solve them. Story is driven by you. Yes. I think we do this quietly. Will and you and I are going to go. I definitely want you by my side for that. This needs to be done delicately. Right, you are. Wayland is so overthinking this because of what happened to Clarice. I think he's trying to come up with backup plan after backup plan after backup plan where it's just not needed. You need to have a plan before you can have a backup plan. Right. Do me a favor. Grab all the guns you need. Locked and loaded. We'll go tonight. Quicker we do this, quicker we can fucking leave. Bye. We'll deal with them on open waters on our own time. Bye. Will, and remember, we're not here to take the fucking ship down right now. We just want Cosette. I will make sure we take down that ship later. Waylon nods his head. Well, everyone, uh, looks like I've got some prepping to do, so if you'll excuse me. Captain. One by one, everybody goes off and does their own thing. Kind of dismisses themselves. There's work to be done. And there's, like, the, the tension in the air. is Nervous energy is very high. Jesse's so focused on what he's gonna say, what he's gonna do, what Cosette's gonna say, and what Cosette's gonna do. I think he just instinctually starts pacing the quarters and just kind of gets lost in thought for a while. After a while, you realize that Ursa is still in your room. Takes like a good four and a half minutes. Practically walks into her. Oh, sorry, Ursa. Uh, turns back around. Hi, Ursa. Everything all right? Ursa shakes her head slowly from left to right. I I mean, you know, beyond everyday normal bullshit for you. She pulls back her hood, and you see that half-hybrid face of hers. The bare snout, the ears, the skin into fur. And her red eyes look at you, and she shakes her head no again, and one of her ears twitches. Feel like something's wrong. She nods her head solemnly. Yeah, I know. I'm not walking into the bucket of blood. Yeah, I've got a bad feeling too, but I think I always do. It's going to be fine. And maybe it won't. And if it's not fine, then that's how it is. Ursa nods, and she reaches out one hand. The very tip of her claw touches your chest over your heart. And she says in that pained voice... Don't regret not telling her this. And she pokes at your heart again in emphasis. She doesn't know unless you say. Yeah. And as the sunlight begins to dim and sunset happens, we watch on screen as Ursa shifts from that 
half-humanoid wear form to an honest-to-god black grizzly bear. What? She nods her big shaggy head, shakes her entire body, which shakes the sheep fur that she's wearing. Her hood falls in front of her face, and with both of your doors open, she lumbers back downstairs to her cave. Jesse gets impatient, not at Wayland, but with himself and the situation, and he finds himself heading to Wayland's quarters. Wayland is, is prepping their guns, every single one, making sure everything is perfectly cleaned and prepared. The black powder is in airtight satchels, arming themselves to the teeth. It's that typical gear up before the heist scene with all of the pieces laid out on the bench. Except as he's taking guns apart, cleaning them and putting them back together, he'll holster them. And then gun that's already holstered and clean, he'll take it out, look at it, take it apart again, clean it again, put it back together, holster it, move on to the, and is going through every single one multiple times. If you shine those anymore, you're going to blind yourself, Wayland. Captain, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm just about ready to go. I've got everything that I could possibly need. Um, hey. One more time. One, one, one Master more time. Master I just, need to, I just hey. need to clean them one more time. Wayland. Mm-hmm. Look at me, you fucking idiot. And Wayland's clenching his muscles and unclenching his muscles and clenching his muscles and unclenching and is like rocking back and forth at his workstation and looks up at you and is still rocking back and forth. Jesse looks exhausted. And he walks over, he gives you a big fuck-off hug. And Wayland stops rocking and hugs Jesse back. I missed you, Wayland. I missed you too, buddy. Glad you're safe. You too. I'm... I'm sorry. That's all right. Shouldn't have dragged you into this mess. What? No. What mess? Uh, no, the... I was gonna go into that anyway. He kind of begins to gesture at everything and then lifts his right hand up. <laughs> Jesse, this ship, you and this crew, are potentially the best thing that has ever happened to me. You genuinely saved my life. I need you to know that. That day in the bucket of blood, I was continuing on a very long trek into drinking myself into oblivion, and you sat down at the table and you asked me questions. You gave a shit, and nobody else did. You looked like you needed someone to give a shit. I'm sick and tired of seeing my friends get hurt, Jesse. Jesse gets very sad. I hate seeing you in so much pain, and I know you told me and I know you didn't understand. I hate that you felt like you had to carry that alone. I love you so much, Jesse. I'm so tired of seeing my friends in pain. And I know that we can't save everybody all of the time, but... <sighs> I really want this to work. So do I. I'm scared for you, Jesse. I'm terrified. Maeve was behind it. Yeah, that makes sense. I have no idea if that's something that could ever, ever happen again, but I don't know. I've never been more afraid of myself than I have been in the last week. Everything is so unpredictable now. 
Which is why I can't afford to fuck this up. And Waylon puts a hand on Jesse's shoulder. I know there's a lot of promises going around right now. Promise me that you'll do your best not to lose yourself in this. The tips of his fingers, his right hand, crease over, and he closes his hands and it shatters, sprinkles away. I'm close, Waylon. He can be stopped. How? Well, it'll start when I am able to take more control. All right. Just a bit more. Take it from someone who knows. A pursuit of power is a hell of a beast. Couple of loose ends. Be careful. When am I ever not careful? <laughs> That's like my whole thing is being careful, Will. Ah, oh, that felt dirty. I don't like lying. It's not a good look on you. Yeah. I guess my guns are as clean as they're ever gonna get. Well, they could be cleaner. <laughs> Well, now I know they're clean. And he finishes, and he puts the last pistol in his bandolier. Let's go get our friend back. Hey, put your pirate face on. Let's go get our friend back. Is that better? We'll work on it. I feel like that was better. It was like a six out of ten. Okay, all right. So, like, more bravado and flair, or, like, just the flair? I think a bit more excitement, you know? A little more excitement. All right. Yeah. It's like an emphasis behind it that you missed. Right, right, right. Are you done? (laughs) Can I please get back to work? You're standing in the middle of the workstation. How long have you been there, Elliot? Wayland, he like lives here. Oh, right. I, yep. Yep, nope, we're good. Okay. Anyway, hey, next time we'll get it to like an eight. All right. Incremental Incremental progress. progress. Here we go. Thank you, Elliot. Sorry about that. Bye, Elliot. Bye. Have fun storming the Sangaris. <laughs> yeah. She's a bitch, by the way. Annabelle, you love her. There are specific choice words I would not use because I don't know who's listening. Annabelle. Right. Not a terrifying or creepy name at all. Not a name that has any particular reason to terrify anyone uh, in this world. No history with the name Annabelle here. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. Uh, <laughs> you know. Is this from one of your books, Milan? She's not like a four foot tall doll possessed by. Ah, uh, Wayland, of... fuck off with the science. Come on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, that's science fiction bullshit. <laughs> Sierra <Sierna> fiction. <laughs> uh, did someone say science? No. Not now. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to hand myself over to her. <laughs> I think the gallows would be a nice resting place right about now. <laughs> takes the weight off your feet. It takes everything off your feet. <laughs> you guys head down the rope ladder onto the solid sheet of ice on the ocean. Yep. And begin to walk. When you get halfway across, you can see the Sangdaris in the back of the cove there. But more so, you see on the ice as you turn the corner several figures standing there one of whom is sitting in a chair but they've just moved onto the ice on the ice oh okay Wayland, you've got eagle eyes yes i do who is it that person sitting on the ice is poor cosette okay i really thought it was annabelle pulling a power move having like moved a chair on the ice that would be an amazing power move Wayland, she's shivering 
There's no blanket or anything for her, and her wrists are shackled. It's right about now, I wish I had warm fire powers rather than just, like, plant growth on boats. Damn it! If only I had the ability to summon fire right now. Uh, oops. Sorry, I haven't got that gift from Jonah yet. There are several pirates standing behind Cosette, and one of those pirates is holding her leg. And as you approach, from behind the group of pirates steps Annabelle. Her six-inch tall heel boots click against the ice, and as the camera pans from looking at her boot heels, we find that she is wearing not only skin-tight leathers, but also a red fur coat. She is every bit the fair hair and fair-skinned noble beauty of Montaigne. Her cold, ice-colored eyes glint when she sees Jessie, and there is a faint smirk quirked at the corner of her lips. In her hands, casually in front of her, is a pistol, which is cocked, loaded, and aimed at the back of Cosette's head. Jessie walks forward and pulls his hat off and bows. Hello there. Annabelle looks at you nods her head slightly, and does a mock curtsy. Ashante, Captain. Have I kept you waiting long? Nothing out of the ordinary, mon cher. Glad to see you haven't changed either, Captain. Oh, there are a few changes. Perhaps you'd like to come on board and see? Darling, please. We don't have time for that anymore. Waylon shoots Jesse a very severe look after that last interaction. Waylon, this is Captain Annabelle Savan, the Rue de Chereuse, of the Song de Ries. You just couldn't stay away, could you? You missed me that much. You have something very important to me. I already gave you that, though. You're the one who broke it. You have something that does not belong to you. Pirate. Yeah. And what are you going to do to get it back? Whatever I need to. Whether that means I leave all of your corpses bloodless or not. Interesting. Where was this Jesse while we were dating? Because this one really strikes my fancy. Uh, Let's say I've been given a hand. She gives you a look. You didn't. Not by choice. Uh, Pirates. Bloody pirates. It's always that innate urge for freedom. Well, I've got all night. I don't know how much longer she has. She's been sitting here on the ice for a rather long time, and as pretty as those skirts are, they don't really hold heat in very well. She's got more time than you, that's for sure. She's far more patient. You know me, I enjoy rushing right into things. So, how is this going to go? One of two ways, darling. What do you want? There's a reason you took Cosette. I don't think I gave you permission to speak, boyfriend. Which, by the way, poor choice, darling. Really? I... no. If anything, like, brother. He's out of my league. Out of your league? I'd say he's not even in the leagues. I'm sorry, I've sat here this entire time. Both Cosette and I have sat here this entire time while you two have flirted. 
and there does appear to be some sort of clock on this as things are only going to get colder as the night goes on. I'm freezing. I don't know about you. You're right. I'm sorry. I've taken up so much of the time that I've completely forgotten the reason I'm here. She tosses the pistol behind her, a pirate catches it, and out comes a knife, wickedly curved and serrated. She crouches down and touches it to Cosette's neck. Jesse takes a step forward. You really want to test my patience right now, darling? You and me. Let's go. And he pulls out Bramble. Points at her. Let's dance. There's that wry smile that just pulls the corner of her lips and makes her eyes sparkle just a bit. Jesse's eyes go back and forth from Cosette to Annabelle and back. When you look at Cosette's eyes, she is as relaxed as a rabbit can be in the jaws of a wolf. She is shaking violently. It could be because of fear, but it's more than likely due to the fact that she is sitting directly on the ice with no form of coat or warm clothing on her, other than her big frilly dress, which is made of chiffon, so there isn't a lot there. Bramble out, Jesse begins to strafe off to Annabelle's side, slowly. You can sit here and circle me all night if you want, but that'd be wasting both of our times. So what are you proposing? Hmm. Yep. I'm going to spend a hero point. Okay. And Jesse's eyes lock onto Annabelle's. I need you to step away from her right now. And I use stare down. I'm going to spend another hero point for insistent. I'm going to go ahead and spend both of my danger points and negate both of them. Oh. Okay. You've bled me of danger points. For now. As the camera is watching Jesse strafe around in a circle, and of course the pirates are not going to allow you to come up behind them unknowingly, so they are following you with their eyes. Annabelle is laughing, chuckling to herself as you are circling. Are everyone's eyes trained on Jesse? Yes. Everyone is staring at Jesse. Does that make me the center of attention? That would currently make you the center of attention, yes. I am going to spend a hero point. All right. And Wayland's gone. We realize that as the camera pans to where Wayland should be, they are gone. There's just a wisp of shadow, slowly blown away by the Arctic wind. As like a little thing for Wayland, I feel like Jesse's eyes flick over for a second, and Wayland feels... A breeze from the north that, like, is instinctually different than the rest of the wind. And it, like, begins to push Wayland. And Wayland's like, oh, okay, yeah. And then disappears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wayland's just waiting just out of the corner of everyone's eye. They look, they could swear. But the moment that they'd look where he is, he'd move out of their peripheral vision. Eyes on Kazette. Annabelle stands up because she has been crouched next to Cosette. And she forces Cosette to stand up, too. And Cosette makes a small noise, but tries very hard to hide the amount of pain that she's in. I've honestly had enough of these games. Either come at me to kill me, like you said you were going to the last time we met, or sail back to Aragosta and release Michelle. And in exchange, I'll give you her daughter. 
Wayland, I'll give you this because of your eagle eyes. You notice that Cosette is not perturbed in the slightest that she has a knife to her throat or that she's precariously balanced on her strong leg. She's staring every once in a while at the pirate holding her leg and you can see the calculations in her head. Okay, I have an idea. Jesse's gonna run and lunges forward to faint and instead tries to get a hand on Annabelle. And we're just gonna begin the action sequence, are we? She doesn't expect how fast you move. It could be because you're sliding along the ice perfectly, or it could be that there's some force pushing you from behind. She pushes Cosette behind her into the waiting arms of another pirate. And when she brings her hand back from pushing Cosette, another dagger appears. You touch her. I activate the minor gift of the south wind and turn her to ice. Spending a hero point. I'm going to deal one wound to you. And how does it look? He goes to slash and he faints and instead... She cuts the inside of your forearm with the very tip of her knife. She doesn't actually get a good hit. He reaches his hand out and grabs the side of her neck, places his hand there. Oh, that's... Ooh, ooh, ooh. She melts. Oh. Almost as if remembering what that touch meant. Is she, like, into into the the hand? hand, And she's about to say something when frost from your fingertips encases her. That moment of tenderness that she had in her eyes for you instantly changes to rage. And as she is reaching to try and stab you, she freezes in the moment. You said there's other... Oh, there are other pirates. They are not going to let that happen lightly. How many people on the crew? There's a brute squad of ten. They immediately launch into action. We're going to slow down time a little bit, and we're going to focus in on Wayland. Everybody else is, like, hyper-focused on what's happening. She just hears the slight crumple of fabric and a small thud at her foot. She stiffens. Cosette hears the whisper of a voice in her ear. What's the plan? Under her breath, she says, Annabelle has secrets in her desk behind the wall. I'll see you soon. Remember, there's a friend at your foot. She drops, and the pirate holding her is unable or maybe unwilling to catch her in the moment, and she grabs whatever you've dropped. Wayland's left his coat, and if Cosette were to look in the breast pocket, there is a small two-shot pistol. Great. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those little, like, palm pistols. Yeah, with two barrels. Now we will cut to the writer's room and get our approaches. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Hell yeah, cut to Cosette putting a really tiny pistol on the edge of her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes, that's it. It's perfect. Well, whatever the plan is, unfortunately, we won't know until next time. Friends, it is always a pleasure to have you join us. And not only will there be a new article, there will also be a new Notes with the Narrator and a new Community Questions. That's right. Very ambitious of me, I know. But I promise you, at least one of those things is a definite. (laughs) And we'll see you next time. Remember that the ice is not as thick as you think it is. And be safe 
and well. <laughs>